I'm not going to hold you long this morning, but God does have a word this morning, and, and I know that this word is going to be an impact. I'm so excited about bringing this word forth this morning because it has so much information into it. Um, so if you turn with me to 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter. First Timothy, the sixth chapter. We're going to go over the first two verses. I'm going to break this down because we're going to go over ten verses. The first ten verses of First Timothy, the sixth chapter, one through ten. I'm going to break the verses down, but we're going to cover the first one and two verses. We're going to stick with the series, The Church at Work. All right? And the scripture reads, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have been leaving masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. These are the things you are, teach, are to teach and insist on. I'm going to read from another particular Bible that uh, some of you may be familiar with and some of you may not be familiar with. But it's going to break this thing down because you really need to understand that where uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. And the Bible, uh, this is from the Message Bible, and it says, Whoever is a slave must make the best of it, giving respect to his master so that the outsiders don't blame God and are teaching for his behavior. Slaves with Christian masters are the more so their masters are really their beloved brothers. When you look at this particular message in the first two verses of this scripture, you're looking at that a lot of times in those days that everybody was considered slaves. Uh, the Bible speaks of in Romans 6 and 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So every God, everything, everybody is considered a slave to God. And so, therefore, because you are considered a slave, the atmosphere of in church, how we present ourselves in church is one way. But the question is, is how do you present yourself when you're in your workplace? How do you present yourself when you're outside of the church doors, when you're in your workplace? Do you, are you obedient to God's will? Are you still doing what God is asking you to do by setting the example in front of people? Uh, are you doing things that are, are, dis, are not disliking to God? Uh, what, is, what are you doing? Are you taking extra breaks while are you at work and not setting an example to other people? Are you, are you setting a... And the main key is, is that because you are considered a leader uh, in your workplace, you got to understand that your attitude is everything. Your attitude is everything because in those days, times, in the Bible times, that every, the masters, uh, everybody was considered, those that worked for each other, was considered sa uh, saved. But nowadays, we don't have everybody that is saved. So that means that e even though you might work with, uh, in a workplace, 
that you might work under somebody that does not go to church, are you setting the example? Are you showing them the way and the light and the truth? Are you showing them that you have God inside of you? And it's not always about what you say. It's about your actions and how you present yourself with body language. It's how you present yourself with your attitude far as when they ask you to do something. Because they can be nasty. Come on, if y'all really think about it, all of us work in some different type of atmospheres. And everybody don't like who they work beside. And everybody don't like what goes on in the workplace. But the whole idea is, is where are you standing as a believer of God and where are you standing as a child of God in the workplace? So as a believer, you got to understand that you have to set the example to say, you know what, I'm going to stand, I'm going to be quiet. Sometimes I have to keep my mouth shut. I, can't, I don't have to always respond back to people. I don't always have to do things because sometimes our mouths get us in trouble. Let's be real here. Sometimes our mouths get in trouble because we're quick to respond when somebody says something back to us because of the attitude that we reflect into people's lives. The reason being that God is writing this to Timothy is because the next thing is, is because we're covering so much, uh, I wish I had more time to really, really dig into this. But if you go into the next couple of verses, it is this, you need to read this, is it talking about uh, the atmosphere of false prophets. And the reason why we need to set examples is because if you could put up on the screen the next verses about false prophets. Because there's a lot of people that are doing different things that are telling false accusations about God. So the thing is, is that we as believers, we go to church, we study in our word, we're prayer warriors, we're people that are praying all the time. This is what we say we do. So if we're doing these things, we have to be the example because we have to, we have to seek out those that are trying to devire God's word and try to cut the word down and not tell the truth. And so when you look at this particular scripture, this is what you got to see. It says, these are the things... I want you to teach and preach. If you preach, if you have leaders that, who teach otherwise, who refuse the solid words of our master Jesus and this godly instruction, tag them for what they are, ignorant windbags who infect the air with germs of envy, controversy, bad-mouthing, suspicious, rumors, Eventually, the, there's an ep epidemic of backstabbing, and truth is but distance memory. They think religion is a way to make a fast buck. That is in the Message Bible. In, the, uh, in this particular Bible, in the NIV Bible, it says, these are the things you are to teach and urge on them. If anyone teaches false doctrines, and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understanding nothing. He has unhealthy interests in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malice, talk, evil, suspicions, 
and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think the godliness is a means to financial gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. I want you to take these notes real quick because you need to know who false prophets are. False prophets are people that are psychics. False prophets are those that are, you see on TV that says, here, buy this water. This is going to change the world. They talk about they, get, they receive checks in the mail. False prophets is, is people that are trying to entice you or try to, try to persuade you to, to, do, to, to get your money. If you go in a place and they're trying to persuade you to get your money and, and, it's, and it's supposed to be in a church atmosphere, those are false prophets. If they're trying to tell you, oh, I could tell you about your whole life, but they say, oh, but I need you to sow a seed, that's a false prophet. See, these are things that you need to know because these are things that are going on in churches that people don't believe. The same things that was going on back then is the same things that are going on now. The thing is, is that is that it became more intense than ever. So you got to pay attention to those things. So you need to write down. Psychic, uh, witchcraft. Um, you need to write down the, uh, like I said, those people that are on TV that are uh, the, with the water, the people that's on, the people that are, are advertising the cards to read, to do your readings and stuff like that. Those are false prophets. Those are people that are after you uh, to give you to give you false information. And you got to understand that that is not of God. And God said that's why we got to stand. That's why the first two verses are very important for you to be examples because these are the people that are coming to become a distraction to those that are ungodly, that are seeking and are destroying people in your workplaces and people in your neighborhoods that are trying to seek God because of the simple fact that nobody is standing on fertile ground saying this is who we really are. We are believers of Christ and this is the life that we're supposed to live and this is how we walk because your walk every day is considered a prophet. Just because you don't speak into somebody's life, just because you don't uh, tell somebody about their life doesn't mean that you're not a prophet. Your walk, your everyday talk, your everyday life, it speaks for itself as a prophet. You got to understand that because you speak as a prophet, as your life example, your daily life and your daily walk, you have to live by this because of these type of people that are in this world. The next thing is, when we look through verses, 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, I really like this because but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can't take nothing out of it. <laughs> but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The Message Bible reads this. A devout life does bring wealth, but it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. Since we entered the world of uh, penalties, Penniless, and we leave it penniless, penniless, if we have bread on the table and shoes on our feet, that's enough. But if it's the only money these leaders are after, their self-destruct is no time. Lust for money brings trouble, nothing but trouble. Going down the path, some lose their footing in the faith completely live regret and bitterly ever after. Uh, what you got to understand is God is calling you leaders. Everybody in this room is leaders. So you hold it accountability. In Colossians 3, 12 through 17, it reads, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgive you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do, with whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Write this down. Don't allow money that comes in and out of your pocket control your purpose. Don't allow money that comes in and out of your pocket to control your purpose. It's very, very important because a lot of times we get so caught up in what comes out of our pockets and what goes in our pockets, and we forget about who's in control. The first thing is, is that you got to understand is, is that your time with God and the building of the relationship with God is so important. And that means spending time in your word. Spending time in your word uh, gives you revelation of what God expectations of you. We've been studying the book of uh, 1 Timothy for a very long time, for the last six weeks. And, it, and at this point, you should have so much revelation of how you should live, how you should walk, what God's expectations is for you as a man and a woman, what is God's expectation as you as leaders in the house of God, what is God's expectation as a husband and wife. And you ought to understand that the next move in your life is knowing how to deal with your money, and how to deal with it by consulting with God first. 
So the next thing I want you to write down is, secondly, consulting with God next. You need to know how to consult with God because it's important to consult with God on every decision that you make with your money because it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to the church. It doesn't even belong to your job. It's God that provides for us. And what we need to understand is, is that in Philippians 4, 19, God says, I am my God. We meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So God supplies all of your needs. So every dollar that you get, every money that comes in and out, God is saying, do not let it dictate what happens in your life. All you need to be focused on is what, God, what I'm telling you what you need to do in your purpose. That is seeking me, doing what I'm asking you to do, and everything that will fall in place. Uh, let me give you an example. The example is, is this, is that when you do what God, consulting with God, you'll find out even when you don't have it, God will make sure it's stretched. See, some of you ain't, may not have been there, but I've been there before because the simple fact that even when the money doesn't even match up to your income to pay bills, God will make sure that he will provide. Can I share something with you? Because I'm very transparent. Uh, in, in over life and over time, I've been, we've been, me and my family have been in situations that we didn't know where money was going to come from and how bills and stuff was going to pay because the money wasn't there because the income didn't match the bills that we had. But never, never God never failed us to make sure that everything got paid. And what you got to understand is, is that when you trust God and you consulting God in prayer, you asking God, God, I need this done, but God build on a relationship with God because when you have a relationship with God, it makes it a lot easier to consult with God about your problems. All y'all, y'all, maybe you don't have the same relationship, but if I can get a hand clap, if you have a relationship with God that you understand that when you have that situation to where you are praying and you are, are you in, you're actually in, in studying your word. You find out so much information. You get excited because you are understanding that God is so awesome. God is great. And the things, the magnificent things that he does in your life, what he keeps you from, what he does for you and your family, what he does for you in your walk, what he does for you on your job, how he keeps you when you go to and from different places, how we are blessed that we are coming up on holidays and God has kept you and God has keep doing and doing different things. The money that God has provided for you to be able to do Thanksgiving, now Christmas is coming and God is saying, where is the grace that you said back to me where you say, God, I thank you because guess what? You have consulted in me, you have prayed to me, you have said, God, what's the next move that I do with my money? Because we got to get to that point. See, when Jesus died, he consulted with God. When he went to the hill, God, when he went to the hill and he prayed, he, he prayed, and when he prayed, he was consulting with God because you can only imagine what if Jesus was saying, God, I really don't want to do this, but I know I got to do this for my people. Not only for the people that's here right now, but for the people for the future. 
because he knew that we was going to be messed up. We knew that it was going to be some issues. He knew that there was going to be some things that people was going to be some generational curse that need to be broken. He knew that it was going to be some stuff that was going to happen. But where is your consulting at now when it comes to making moves with God? So, in my closing, you got to understand that at this point, in this sixth chapter, God is saying you got to take your, your beliefs as kingdom-minded people, as believers, to another level. He said there's no reason to have all this discipline and not have discipline knowing what you do even with your finances too as well. The reason why most people struggle, the reason why most people have so many issues is because tithing they think is not important. They think, they think that's not important. They think it's given to the church. They think it's given to uh, the pastors and stuff. And that's why God said, you got to understand these false prophets you don't give to them, but when you give to the church, you're giving back to me, and watch what I do. Watch how I bless you. Watch how things come more, more forward to you. Watch how, I, watch how things become even more flourish. Watch how you get raises, and you're wondering how you got a raise, and it wasn't even time for you to get a raise. Watch how these things start happening and falling into place. There's, there's a lot of people in here that you don't even know that they could, they, if they stand up and tell their testimony, they'll tell you that it was things by what they did, you know, by tithing and consulting with God and then tithing, they found out by giving their money to God, not to man and not looking at it, but giving it cheerful as a cheerful giver, how God blessed them in the future, in the long run, how they was able to do certain things that they weren't able to do the year before and how God blessed them with new jobs and how God blessed them with cars and how God blessed their children to have what they needed to have. And when you get to that point where you, it's not about you doing it, but God doing it. See, what you got to understand is, is that if you don't start doing what God asks you to do, you got to be careful because God can strip you from what you already have. So be blessed about what God is doing because you don't want God to break you down uh, to where you, because you're thinking you're doing it. Uh, to be real transparent, I was like that at one time. I kept thinking I was doing it. So God had to strip me and take me away from some things because he says, See, you keep thinking it's you, but it's really me. And so I don't want you to leave this place thinking that it's you, but it's Jesus Christ himself that keeps blessing you.